Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Two weeks ago, I told a story in my sermon about a woman who was teaching Sunday school. She was teaching children about Christianity. And when she asked the question to her class, are you born Christian? One little boy immediately responded, oh, no, miss, not at all. You were born normal. (laughs) But in a similar way, I once heard two four-year-olds talking in Sunday school. Their teacher began to explain and to describe a man who was amazing, electrifying, was loved by so many. He could make people's hearts sing. And while the teacher continued to offer this type of description, a little girl leaned over to a little boy and said, You know, she really sounds like she's describing Elvis, but I'm guessing the correct answer is Jesus. (laughs) I say this because we're taking a huge leap today in our readings out of the frying pan of Lent and Pentecost and Easter and into the fire of real life. We're looking for our identity. Who are we? What is our mission? We're going into a time, a season, that explores what being a disciple of Jesus looks like. The early Christians, they experienced this breath, the ruach of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, so they had to go. They had to go into the world, living and becoming an identity, understanding who their identity was about being the baptized people of God, into seeking this identity of love and going out to all nations to proclaim that love. We see some glimpses of that in our readings today. Doing ministry has its ups and downs. Being a disciple can sometimes be really tough and unsettling. Sometimes, instead of peace, we get a sword. I can tell you that one of the things that makes me most uncomfortable is when someone tells me about their faith in a way that makes light of mine. Let me say more. I was on a flight a few weeks ago, coming back from Virginia, and the person sitting next to me was reading the Bible. Okay, cool, I thought. Towards the end of the flight, when we were landing, we started, you know, engaging in small talk like passengers typically do. And I could tell this person really wanted to know if I was a Christian. So at one point, they asked me what I did for work. And I said, I'm an Episcopal priest. And the person hemmed and hawed and kept stammering about a number of things and finally just blurted out, is that a Christian religion? (laughs) So frustrating. Needless to say, these kinds of situations make me and can make us extremely uncomfortable. The experience of being authentic 
sometimes feels more sharp like a sword than peaceful and calm. There are good reasons for living a life of witness and proclamation, but we have to do this with care and being aware of who we are. Now, I know, I do know that the Episcopal Church likes to be polite. We don't want to offend. I had a good friend one time tell me everything in moderation, including religion. That's why I'm an Episcopalian. <laughs> not quite. In some ways, maybe. But, but we're not seeking, we are not seeking to make people religious. We're not seeking to make people religious. We're wanting to talk to people about our lives, how we have been changed by God. And being polite doesn't always help in fostering real, authentic friendships and authentic community. The author Rebecca Pippert, in her book Out of the Salt Shaker, talks a lot about this. She says that when we develop a way of living that places a special emphasis on people, special emphasis on people, that demonstrates holiness and a dedicated obedience to love, we can't help but be effective witnesses. Evangelism will simply flow from our lives, from who we are as people. Instead of taking on some type of recruiting techniques. I knew an older woman at my former church and once the topic of evangelism came up and she said in her South Carolina accent, well, she said, I don't know anything about evangelism at all. But I do know that I make the best chocolate chip cookies in the world and I offer to anyone who wants them with a smile and I tell them that God loves them. And if that's not evangelism, I don't know what is. <laughs> you know, it's kind of strange in a roundabout way, but it's true. You take the things that are good about you, and you stop being shy about your faith. It's not our job to convert anyone. It never has been. The good news of Jesus is sharing a story. Claiming that story as your own, living it out in such a way that people want to know more. They want to know what you've got, because it's a whole heck of a lot more compelling than a $5 latte at Starbucks. And I say this because our Romans reading today wants to help us see, to help us see what living a life of reality of grace, living a life in that reality of grace, that gift from God of being okay, just who you are, that reality that you matter and are loved and are cherished because the grace of Jesus Christ surrounds you, envelops you, and it has transformed your old self into a new reality of being. We hear all about this today, that Paul tells us we're no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're set free. We are called to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to Jesus. 
Now, I realize that some of you might think this is very churchy language, but let me try to illustrate a little bit about what this looks like. We can use today's gospel as an example. In Matthew's gospel, we can assume we're hearing Jesus' response to his disciples telling them about how difficult life can be, maybe even complaining to him about how difficult their ministry is, when you're out there spreading love, being a, as my friend Jimmy Bart says, being a love-spreading difference maker. Sometimes strife happens. Sometimes people say bad things. Sometimes people don't want to move away or move out of their own perception of peace. It's stagnant. It can't develop. Jesus' comment about coming to not bring peace on the earth, but rather a sword, is not literally a call to arms, nor is it a call to our endless strife. Rather, we're being set up, set up for success in the kingdom of God. We can't be anyone in this life other than who we are. doesn't happen. And Jesus being God is trying to teach us how to walk and live fully in love. To walk fully in love. But he's being absolutely 100% himself in the process. He's saying it's not easy. In the words of Henry Nouwen, Jesus refused to be a stuntman. He did not come to walk on hot coals, swallow fire, or put his hand in the lion's mouth to demonstrate that he had something worthwhile to say. Jesus is being himself and witnessing to the truth of himself that we are called to find our new life in the presence of immersing ourselves in love. Will this always be easy? No. Will we sometimes get it wrong? Yep. Yes, we sure will. And that's where grace, the grace that I talked about, comes in. When Paul writes to the Romans, one of the things he says right before today's passage begins is this. That in places where sin increases, that places where we, where we aren't quite getting it, and maybe we're falling into patterns of really not getting it most of the time, that in the places where sin increases, grace increases all the more. We're literally surrounded, covered by this force called grace. And that's what helps us when we're feeling down on ourselves or feeling like we don't measure up. Grace steps in. says, you are beloved. You are okay. And you are exactly you. That's why Paul has in his first comment to us today, should we continue to sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. He's telling us that even this life of grace is full. Even though it fills us up, We don't need to test God or to force God to act by consciously separating ourselves further from the things of God. That's that's not how it works. Instead, 
we're called to accept, to live into this reality that through our baptism, we are united with Jesus in his resurrection. That we literally have our old selves die off and we're brought to new life where we proclaim love. We seek peace and we pursue it and we realize that the grace of God binds us together as children of God. We're not in this alone. Notice, the grace of God binds us together as the children of God. Not as a child of God necessarily, but as the children, the entire community. This is a community effort. We are called today to seek a new life of love, even one that might be tough for us to pursue because we are seeking to become the best selves that we can be. And when we have united ourselves with Christ, even in the midst of not being as close to God maybe as we would like to be, the promise, the promise of today is that God will meet us wherever we are with an overwhelming portion of grace to build us back up and to set us back on the right track to make us fully alive to continue our journey in that quest for love. And the quest for love starts with our feet. By walking in the newness of life that we're given by walking in love. Jesus has set us free. We're claiming now a new identity. And as we reflect, as we pray, as we build and foster new relationships, we'll become more ourselves. We'll discover new forms of grace. We will become authentic witnesses of how God has transformed us because we will be fully ourselves. Like Jesus, we don't have to be stuntmen and we don't have to be Elvis Presley. We have to seek love and be no one else but ourselves. Grace will take care of the rest.